Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, a weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Polykeg, the best performing and easiest to use one-way keg on the market. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit our website at thisweekincraft.beer. So I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Dan from Heist Bruco, based in Sheffield. Heist was launched by Dan and Adam in 2017, initially as Cuckoo Brewers, before opening their own facility in the mining village of Clown in Derbyshire in 2018. In early 2020, the brewery relocated to the Neeps End district of Sheffield, moving into an 8,000 square foot industrial building that will ultimately include a 30-tap bar. Dan, please introduce yourself and tell me about your beer journey and how you came to start Heist. Hello, yes. So I'm Dan. I'm one of the co-founders and also the brewer uh, for Heist. We started up, as you said, in 2017. It was just a little bit before that, actually, when we were doing a bit of craft beer export. And that's how we got into the business originally. Uh, That was me and and Adam were doing that. So Heist came about when we were looking for an office space to work from, basically working as sales agents for for certain breweries, getting their beer out to market, mainly in Europe. and that's when we had the crazy idea to open up what well, was a bottle shop originally. We mm-hmm. thought we could work from the bottle shop, we'd get a bit of passive income, it'd be great. Uh, next thing we know, we'd end up buying this old school building, which was way too big to be a bottle shop. So okay. <laughs> we turned that into sort of this uh, craft bar in the middle of nowhere in a village right. which has nought in there, literally. Yep. It's, it's about 4,000, four, 5,000 people, I think, is the population yeah, of clowns, something like that, isn't it? Not much more, yeah. Yep. So you have John Smith's on tap. Carling Premier was definitely the premium beer in the village. Okay. <laughs> no, no cask beer, nothing. So it was a bit of a, I suppose we're a bit naive going into it, thinking it would all be easy going. And looking mm. back at it, I would never, ever would have opened in that area. But no. it worked. I just wouldn't have taken that risk. Now you know, now you're wow. a bit more, yeah. you know, a bit more in the know. I would yes. not have picked the area. Older and wiser. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Definitely older. <laughs> So yeah, we started that in 2017, around about mm. April. The plan was originally we had a space which could fit a, a brew kit in there. We're looking around about five barrel brew kit. Right. So we actually went out and we offered it out free of charge to a brewery to take over. Because I guess at that stage you hadn't done much brewing or? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. We, had, we, hadn't, we hadn't done a lot of brewing. So we, we wanted to have the brewery on site. It just wasn't something that was in our scope to do at the time. Right. We actually initially pitched out to adam formerly of neon raptor now he right. started up his new new venture yes he has yeah and he came through really interested did all the drawings and then he decided he wanted a slight, slightly bigger space right and he basically said to us look here's the plans get cracking do it yourself because he's moving somewhere else and all of a sudden my business partner runs away with ideas mm. and i'm the more sensible nice well he deserves a lot of credit for, for setting you on that path he, he I does. think, doesn't he yeah he does yeah <laughs> Yeah, and we started those wheels in motion back in mid-2017 and brewed the first time back end of 2018. So we're fairly new as a brewery, mm. but we have been doing collaborations and we've been cuckoo brewing out of a few places locally in the meantime. Right. And so had you done any home brewing or, you know, how did you go from being, a, with all due respect, a, a beer salesman in 2017 to being a, a brewer of great beers 18 months later or so? I used to always lie to people, especially when we first started. I was like, yeah, homebrew did this. My first ever solo brew was the commercial beer that we did on the kit back in 
November 2018. Wow. So I've never. This is very unusual. Very unusual backstory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm one of those people who will sit down, read, absorb everything, okay. obsess over things for years and years, and just control freak when it comes to it. Hmm. And to be fair, the first beer we did was a was a milk stout. Thought less room for error. Thought it would be. If it goes wrong, it can go down the drain, all this sort of stuff. <laughs> like, fine, whatever. Yeah, we brewed that beer, and actually that's one of the only beers in our core range at the moment. It, wow, it nice. went yeah. that well. It sold really well, and mm-hmm. ever since then, we've, we've never really looked back, to be honest. No. So, yeah, I have now turned into a home brewer. So <laughs> I've gone commercial to home brewer, and my that pilot kit is now at home. So I'm, oh my I'm now doing a pilot batches in the garden. Wow. <laughs> the bit, bit of an unorthodox transition, but... That's, that's that's how it is. Wow. Did you do any kind of, of internship at other breweries then? Or, do, you know, did you go and volunteer anywhere or did you hang out with your friends at other breweries? How do you go from zero to production brewer? You know, <laughs> what, what, what were the steps in the process? Because this is not a normal conversation. <laughs> no, 100%, 100%. And it wasn't from literally no brewing experience, never mm. stepped foot in a brewery before. We were lucky when we first started up. One of the things that we wanted to do as a bar was okay. to do collaborations oh, right. and do so, events yeah. based around that. So from l- literally the beginning, the first collaboration we did was we opened in the April. The first one we did was in the April with Lost Industry. Okay, I think we did about 12 or 13 collaborations before we started. Oh, great. So one of the things that we wanted to make sure we did during those collaborations wasn't just sitting there having a load of beers and just having a laugh it was a case of what's this what's why are you doing that what do you you why did you press that button what's this where does this hose go and the (laughs) 100 percent. even prior to us um thinking we're going to open up a brewery side Mm. it was more we need to understand the processes i mean we drink beer we enjoy beer but if we're going to communicate this sort of stuff we need to know what's going on so we, we definitely had a lot of help there i'd also give a shout out to jimmy from lost industry who luckily they the breweries in sheffield but all the family it's pretty much a family-run brewery right they all live in the next village over from clown okay. mm-hmm. so they were in all the time so i could lean on those guys constantly and if i had a question i'd go to them we had the guy who does the hot forward podcast nick law yep Again, we did a collab with him with his Emmanuel's. Nice, because he was at Sheffield Brewery Sheffield as well, Brewery. I think, at one yeah. time, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And again, I think my first brew day, I must have messaged him about six or seven times. <laughs> and he was just straight away, yeah, do this. That's do really that. nice. Try yeah, this, yeah. try that. Hmm. So we had, luckily, we had a really good support group around us. And hmm. we can't, can't really thank him enough because I think it was mad anyway, thinking back, probably should have just employed a brewer. <laughs> 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 it would have made my life a lot easier and there's probably ways i could work a lot more efficiently and mm. all that sort of thing and it's 100 percent on the cards at some point but without those guys definitely wouldn't have got to where we were no. and if i couldn't just pick up the phone and just say look i'm having this problem what do i do or yeah. what do you suggest so we had a lot of help along the way it wasn't literally go in brew this beer and that's it a lot of it was shooting in the dark but yeah Overall, we had the, the basics were definitely covered. <laughs> but even still, it's a it's a very unusual path. I, t- I tell you one one thing that's really interesting is I think we did a few collabs at our brewery, and when you get brewers from really big breweries, so yep. we did one with North, okay. so did one with Vocation mm-hmm. at our brewery, and this is like a few months into starting to brew, really, mm. and they're asking you questions, and I'm like. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Just, I, don't, I don't have a clue. So you're trying to word it in a way to say, 
so, uh, how how do you mean so you can sort of understand it a bit more and in the end i'm just like look i actually don't understand can you just tell me and i'm yeah. just trying to absorb that information like a sponge the next time i don't feel so much of an idiot when it becomes wow. when it's yeah, the next yeah. uh, <laughs> it's next collab but luckily it's sort of we, we sort of got through but it's like it till you make it that's what they say isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah you always feel like an imposter anyway and i, de- I definitely yeah. still do so no, well i i must admit i do when i'm having these conversations with brewers as well so yeah it's uh you know it's definitely <laughs> everybody that, yeah. is uh, everybody's always just about getting away with it I'll that's all I, that's all I'll i ever aspire that. to do yeah that's all you need to do isn't it <laughs> yeah Okay, so let's move forward from opening up in Clown in a town where the most exciting beer up until that point was Carling Black Label or Heineken or whatever you want to call it. And so you guys obviously built a name for yourself to the point where you were ready to take a big step up into size of premises and ambition with the scope of the business. So so sort of talk me through that process. I I think from from the get go, we we always wanted to be in Sheffield. Right. The thing the thing is is that home for you? No, not not for me. I'm originally from Hereford. I moved up to Sheffield about eight years ago. Right. I, th- I think no, Sheffield... You didn't, didn't have the accent, but I thought you might have You might have sort of relocated there a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I relocated up to Sheffield. Yeah, it must be about eight years ago now. Okay. But the whole reason we wanted to do Sheffield, we've always wanted to do city centre. We just thought mm-hmm. the logical step to have a city centre, lots of footfall, you're not relying... Definitely. I mean, the locals we had in, in the last place, absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if they don't come in one weekend, right. you're not getting anyone well, it's 20% else. 20% so. you're taking. So <laughs> yes. So we, we, we'd always been looking in Sheffield for second venues. I think okay. we've actually looked since the end of 2017 through to us taking this place on. Hmm. I think it was about 10 venues we looked at. Oh. Hmm. And we've missed out for one reason or another. Yeah. Uh, and we've always felt hard done by, by that. But every time we look back at the ones that we missed out on, we're like, so glad we didn't get that now. It would be way too small. Um, but yeah, the, the place that we've got now, it's, it's a huge old, used to be make generators down okay. in the neat mm-hmm. end area of Sheffield. About 8,000 square foot. So it is, is massive. And it was uh, a landlord that had, we'd previously bid on one of his properties well above the asking price. And we lost out to someone else who was oh. currently priority over us. So they right. gave us first look at this venue. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we walked in there. And the, the roof was falling down. There were trees growing inside. It, it was terrible. And uh, we're like, yeah, it's a bit too much of a big job for us. Mm. And that's so when fix, they so fix her upper. <laughs> yeah, just a bit, just a bit. But then they they rallied off everything that they were doing, all, all the works that they were going to do, and it started to be a bit more of an attractive okay. um, proposition. And yeah, I think for for the price of rent that we had and the ambitions we have to be able to grow the brewery. In the area we're in before, the brewery was in a 35 square meter room. So we were at capacity within a few months. We'd already doubled our fermentation size, but that was right. it. Couldn't do anything else. Yeah. Even when it comes to canning, because we're in an old school building, we couldn't get a canning line through the door. So we had no. to take stuff off site. It's, yeah. It was a logistical nightmare. So I think it was just the, just the next step that we needed to do. We had to bite the bullet and, and hmm. expand what we had. And we felt yeah. like we had more to offer. Right. So. So I've looked at the videos on Instagram of the space um, yes. and it's, it seems like, you know, it, it's obviously hard to picture sort of what 8,000 square feet is, but it's, it's a vast area, isn't it? I mean, I can't think of, I can't think of another UK tap room that's bigger. I'm sure perhaps there are some, but uh, I've been to more than is good for me. And, and that's going to be when it's done an absolutely awesome facility. It's obviously the pictures that I was looking at over the weekend. There's no roof on the, taproom side and the, the 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 sort of the entrance area the, the brewery side has got uh, has a roof doesn't it but what's the current situation with the building there 
so the, the what happened was just before the week before lockdown, the roof came came off. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was asbestos in it, needed replacing. Oh my goodness! And then all the work stopped for about six months. Oh. Um, to be fair, the roof is now on. Hmm. Um, all the cladding okay. is is up. Oh, Things are moving at a pace now. So yep. we're, we're looking to take over from the landlords uh, week before Christmas. They would have okay. finished all of that. Yeah. So compared to the video that, that we posted on Instagram a few weeks back, it's a completely different place. All oh, right, that's terrific. Yeah. So we are moving in the right direction, mm-hmm. which felt like for ages we're just sat there waiting yeah which has been yeah. frustrating of course but that work was all uh, the responsibility of the landlord rather than rather than you guys basically you you, you sort yes. of yeah okay yeah 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 so they're, they're basically handing over a, a air and water tight shell right. to us and we, we do the rest of the fit out from there so okay. we're just looking forward to getting our our teeth into the project I now. Bet you are, yeah so so when will the brew kit be sort of unpacked and commissioned or recommissioned or whatever <laughs> recommissioned uh <laughs> we are hoping i mean we've, we've had a few time scales now so originally wanted to be open by may hmm. uh then it was august then it was december this year then it was march and then we realized we did our calculations wrong and three months from january isn't march it's april so <laughs> april <laughs> which is a sort of year it's been so yeah. april is when we are looking to be open to the public for the tap room i'm hoping right. march the brewery were back in full operation okay Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's still four months. Well, yeah, three, yeah. three, four months. Yeah, it's st- yeah. still a little bit of time away. Yeah. But we'll get there. We'll get there at some point. I think it would have been nearly a. It would have been a full year if we opened in April. Yeah. When we close down to when we reopen. Yeah. I mean, we, we were just chatting before we started recording um, there, Dan, and I said, you know, it's right. I've been recording these conversations now for for five odd months with brewers up and down the uk all of which have been fairly significantly inconvenienced by covid and by the timing of it and what they had planned for this year and but i haven't spoken to anybody that had literally sort of packed their brewery up into crates and and decided to move it you know literally at the start of lockdown and and you know haven't been able to to brew on their own kit ever since so so you guys definitely win the uh this week in craft beer award for for you know maximum covid inconvenience so so you have my deepest sympathies but i'm loving that you still got a smile on your face and you're still talking positively about the future yeah uh, we've got to there's been that, that that much negative stuff mm. and i have to be appreciative that we're not in the position where we have a fully commissioned new site which was originally meant to open at the beginning of this year right and i, I know just speaking from a load of um, brewers that we're, we're really close with and bottle shops bars and how badly they've been impacted we'd planned for this we mothballed the operation and with the exception of wages that, that yeah. we pay ourselves as directors we could mothball pretty much the entire operation so as much as it's been a pain at the same time it's kind of been a, a bit of a blessing in the fact mm. that we've not had to open midway through lockdown yeah that's a good point I mean, I mean i suppose you, you could have been open last christmas for for sort of a, a theoretical example and and have you know committed to a lot of stock and and had expanded your staff up to eight to ten people and and all of those things that would then have had to have been unwound and furloughed and yeah so so compared to that situation i guess it's uh it's yeah so bad <laughs> that's why i'm still smiling yeah. <laughs> See, I'm, i've still got a bit of sanity left at the moment well lots more questions about the plans around the new setup but before we do that let's have a talk about this beer that i am enjoying very much this is mandarina this is your 6.2 percent double mandarin pilsner tasting notes i have here say mandarin puree dry hopped with mandarina bavaria color pills highly refreshing with a bite yeah I, I think it's a really nice it's got a lovely fruity undertone to it but you can still taste the the, the 
peels them all. It's not a um, fruited lager or it's a lager that's been dry hopped to death so that it tastes like a, an IPA, which is, you know, I've had several that I've really enjoyed actually that fit that latter description this year. But this this still tastes like it still tastes like a lager, but it does have a lovely fruity note to it as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a nice beer. Yeah, it's, it's one of those beers. Again, this beer is a collaboration with our friends from Triple Point yep. uh, in Sheffield who have done a lot to help us over the last few months and we've been trying to champion them as well just being like good friends we hang out in their tap room quite a lot nice i suppose this beer came about when we were sat we were working from there at the time on a sort of offshoot to what we normally do and they were letting us use a space of theirs we were chatting to the guys there and we're just talking about how the weather was so nice it was in the middle of lockdown everything was closed so the whole reason behind this beer is like we just sat down and thought what would you want to be sat there drinking right Mm. now and we're all just like in this weather you just want to be out there you want to have a lager you don't want anything too heavy i mean we 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 do a lot of like new england ipas and heavily fruit sours imperial stouts yeah whereas these guys can just the lagers that they're putting out at the moment are just fantastic so they wanted to sort of merge the two a bit but not go too crazy Mm -hmm. so we just wanted an ultimate session lager i mean it's 6.2 percent so I don't know how session pushing it, it really but is. then you know that, I think that's the six point two <laughs> is the new session, isn't it? You know, yeah, it's, it's sort of changed a bit, hasn't it, over the last few years? Yeah, they just sat out in the beer garden, smashed back three or four of them, and it's just refreshing. And yeah, that's what it we really wanted. is. Yeah, I think Mandarina Bavaria is a really good hop as well. It's, it's one of the nicest European hops, certainly in my opinion. It's I, I think it's had some some really good beers with it this year. Hundred percent. I sort of fell in love with it when Stone in Berlin were doing quite a lot with Mandarina Bavaria mm. and those those style hops on their pilot kit. Um, it's not gonna. It's not gonna knock your head off. It's it's mm. nothing that, that that's gonna be groundbreaking. But just everything about it is just understated. But mm-hmm. it's a very very um, sort of distinctive quality to it that it just just works really well with this sort of style of beer definitely no it really does i think this this this, is, this has worked out really nicely um obviously collaborations and, and gypsy brewing is going to be your future over the, the the winter months so is there anything that you can tease that's in the in the works or already in tank that we can look forward to at the moment we've had to be very careful be very careful with how we've gone about things so mm-hmm. what we had been doing initially was lining up collaborations and gypsy brewing out of the people's venues yeah the problem is now the people that we were using before may have scaled back operations to the point where it's not quite economical for, the, for us to be in there. If they've mothballed the operation or they're mm. using up the space to get stuff out into can and into mini keg in time for Christmas. Right. So that at the moment we are just smashing through our, our pilot project ready for opening. So okay. there's a lot of things that we're changing um, about the way that we brew and how we brew certain things and, we are basically using this time now to smash out as many recipes on the pilot kit as possible. Okay. So unfortunately at the moment, people are going to have to wait for <laughs> a new beer just yet. Yep. Um, but on the backside of that, we, we, we are doing a lot of experimentation, stuff that we haven't done before that when we do open the tap room, we'll be able to showcase it in the best way and nice. we'll be able to fill as many of those taps as possible mm. with new and exciting things as well as developing and improving upon the core beers that we've put into that that range as well right um so 
it seems all quiet from our side. I suppose the one thing that, that people can look out for now is that we've just released a, a gin range as well. Yes, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funnily enough, it's something that we've been wanting to do for years and years. Okay. Uh, we've done small batch gins before, mm-hmm. sold them solely in the tap room. But this year was we wanted to develop a range, mainly for the tap room, but a bit for wholesale. Yeah. It's always interesting, I think, when breweries come out with gins. It's always interesting when breweries come out with gins that are based on the beers they do. So <laughs> we never did that, no. <laughs> which is strange. However, we were working when we left when we left our place in Clown back in April. Yeah. We continued our online delivery service. And okay. about three miles away from us is a local distillery that mm-hmm. had an off-license. They're allowed to sell online. They offered us a space to work out of basically to fulfill orders and deliver them out that's nice the guy who owns it uh used to own a brewery local to us we've known him for years right and we've always just got talking about him like oh we like to do our own gins we like to do this do that and he was like well we'll do we'll do a gin we'll, we'll do this we'll do that i can't take a lot of credit for these gins because this is my business partner as i said to you earlier he's definitely the the crazier one when it comes to certain flavors so <laughs> uh he can't these flavors and i'm like how are they going to taste so we, we did a few really small like one liter batches mm-hmm. and i'm like okay these kind of work it's like how do you market these yeah now he's the salesman i'd say mm-hmm. out of the two of us so he he can market them okay but initially it was basically um it was designed to have an offering within our bar that was something that was ours so we right. needed to have nice. a, yeah. enough enough different components within our bar that are heist yeah they got released this week i think mm-hmm. and again it's one of those things you're like Every bar's closed down, so no one's buying gin. You've got bottle shops and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, they might take a couple, and they've just gone crazy. Like, I can't believe it. Mm -hmm. As as I'm sure you'll lead to, they are weird flavors, but they work. They just, they do pair together really, really well. (laughs) Mango, tobacco, and oak. I mean, when when my business partner said that to me, I'm like, what? Really? (laughs) What does oak even taste like? I mean, I can't. I know. Oh, well, the first two, but... <laughs> yeah it was like the tobacco side i'm like this actually really really works hmm. so it's it's something we've always wanted to do we're going to nice. continue yeah but i thought we thought now was the right time to release them i say now the concept was there before the bars closed so yep. now maybe wasn't the right time to release them but it was something that we wanted to do we're not doing a lot else we're not releasing a lot right and we wanted to showcase that a we're still around and B, that's right we'll yeah. do interesting things absolutely yeah i think that makes perfect sense and you know obviously great shelf life on gin anyway so it's not like you've got to sell it all before christmas is it <laughs> that's it that's it and luckily i don't drink a lot of gin myself not, no. so yeah. i'm not going to drink through the whole stack excellent no i think it's it's, it's it's just a nice way to keep doing something experimental as you say keep your customer base your fan base engaged and you know, i'm sure that you know a lot of those guys will have been looking for something to buy from heist and now you, you provide them with an option so that's that's really good yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. so 30 taps is a lot of taps for any tap room that's an ambitious scale for a startup operation let's say so why 30 why go so big so quickly what's the thought process behind it is it purely because you've got such a big space that you'll be able to to accommodate the couple of hundred people that you'd you know you'd want to have sort of drinking that that number of taps so with, with the 30 taps they're not all going to be heist anyway we, we're looking no. at about 15 heist 15 guests okay yeah um we spent quite a lot of time over in the us back 2018 and mm-hmm. we were just going around all the tap rooms there we're over in Asheville, which is 
absolutely fantastic like 60 odd breweries in a small town ridiculously good and we're just seeing like these ridiculous number of taps over there Mm. i'm like it almost feels like there's too much choice Mm. however when you see the area we're in we want to be able to offer something for everything i know that's the cliche but we want to be able to offer all the ridiculous imperial stouts triple fruity gozers that are coming out all of those things as well as having a three or four good quality lagers yeah some cider on there as well nice. uh, as well as some rotational and obviously all of our stuff as well right the area we've got space wise i mean we've got seating for 200 wow. um, and we'll have a capacity <laughs> for maybe about 350 by the time we're open yeah yeah so 30 taps for us was we're getting the cellar installed it's all being bespoke made I'd rather go out with a 30. And if we need to tear it back at some point, we can. Yeah. But at least well, of course, I mean, you don't have 30, 30 taps. Don't have to be serving 30 beers, do you? But it's, it's great it. It's great to have that that scope. It's, uh... it, it gives us a chance as well to be able to use the pilot kit to get stuff on keg, even if it's just for the weekend. We've yeah. got, I can brew four or five beers a week on the pilot kit. And if we just do one on a Friday, we release five new beers, 20, 30 litres of each. People come in, drink it, and it's awesome. gone. Yeah, yeah. It's just about having that that option. We were restricted to seven, no, eight taps in the last place. Right. It was too restrictive. Mm-hmm. And I think 30, just to me, I was just always drawn to that. That's a lovely number. Yeah. No, number. Yeah. All right. You've convinced me. But, <laughs> you know, the nice thing is, as well as with that number of taps, you could have almost almost a permanent sort of tap takeover thing going on, couldn't you? Where, you know, almost every weekend you could say, right, five, six taps. You know, let's, let's have a guest brewer on each week, and uh, you know, you, you just just keep keep it rotating. Brilliant. That, that's it. We, we we always wanted that. We're also going to have um, a couple of dedicated uh, European taps from okay. a few of our friends. We've got got um, a load of friends over in Hungary from a oh, few wow. breweries there. So we got yeah, the guys yeah. over at uh, Mad Scientist, Balkazesh, mm. Horizon, and Monio. Fantastic. So we get a lot of beers from them anyway. So it'd be good to, to showcase that, which you don't get mm. a lot of in. And the of course, UK. you know, you, that can be reciprocal, can't it? So you hundred percent, yeah. 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 And also a couple of US taps from some of the guys out in Charlotte that, that we Ooh. know. So we're going to have some permanent, if we can start the distro on that, mm. um, some permanent US fixtures on there. As Incredible. Well. Wow. <laughs> so what are you competing with in Sheffield? I live in Reading, so it's quite a long way from Sheffield. I did actually come up earlier in the year for the Sheffield um, Beer Feast. Oh, yeah, yeah. When was yeah. that? Was that February or? or March. Yeah, yeah beginning, of, beginning yeah. of March. Yeah, it was, it was more or less the last thing I did before lockdown anyway. Yeah. I remember that. But, Same here. <laughs> so, but that, I have to confess, that's that's been my sort of only craft beer trip to Sheffield. So I don't really know the lie of the land in terms of what other taproom. I know St. Mars are, are based there, aren't they? But I don't know too much about the uh, the rest of the, the brewing scene in Sheffield. So so paint me a picture. What, you know, what other taprooms are there there and what are, the, what are the scope of them? Sheffield's probably one of the most... You always get this argument, especially in, in Yorkshire, maybe not mm. maybe not further further down, whether Sheffield or Leeds is better oh, for wow. craft beer. Yeah. Now, Sheffield has a unique scene. You can mm-hmm. go out and you can go and drink some really awesome cask beer. You can go out yep. and drink some really good craft beer. So what I'd say about Sheffield is it's so diverse and there's mm-hmm. so many people doing so many good things and everybody's doing something slightly different. So you're not okay. going to go into one, one bar and another bar and everyone's just bought the same beers from the same distributors everybody's doing their own sort of spin on it okay taproom wise at the moment in sheffield it's becoming better now Mm -hmm. it's been it's been a little bit limited in in way of like brewery tap the st mars of the desert have obviously got their 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 tap which is fantastic especially Mm -hmm. in the summer sat in the courtyard really good nice uh, banging beers 
Uh, Triple Point, as I said, right. with this yeah. collaboration with, they have a big venue as well, and they okay. they've really embraced the the tap room scene. But it was a brewery prior to Triple Point, right? But since Triple Point have bought it and expanded it, they've got a lovely out, outdoor space. You can see onto the brew kit, good beer nice. selection, yeah, good yeah. food, all, okay, sort, all sorts of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. In the area we're in now, uh, Neepsen Brewery have just opened. I'm not sure whether it's their dedicated tap, but it's adjoined to the building they're in. Right. And they have two tank beers in there, plus permanent okay. beer offerings, nice. and they are 200 yards from us. Okay. Uh, yeah, and you've got Sheffield Brewing Company. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the breweries there are quite diverse right. in what they offer, which is which I think is good, and it's interesting. And yeah. obviously other shout-outs to like Lost Industry, who some fantastic interesting beers out at the moment and right abbeydale etc so it's it's one of those places you go for a night out you can go to 10 bars and mm-hmm. everyone will be completely different offering different beer and a different experience from old school boo- boozers with yep. ridiculously good craft offerings mm-hmm. like rutland and shakespeare to <laughs> ultra modern so you've got like hop hide out in commune which is a food hall right it's it's crazy that the fantastic. amount of thing in there so yeah, we're just hoping to slot into there as something slightly different as well. So you've got a food side to your new plan as well, Dan. So talk to us about that. Yeah, we we got a food plan. We never wanted to do the kitchen ourselves. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not chefs either of us. I used to be a restaurant manager. I don't I don't particularly fancy managing chefs because I've done it before and it could be <laughs> it could be a bit volatile. And so can I. So it's probably not a good idea. But we've got the guys from Slap and Pickle who started up an assembly underground in Leeds. Right. They've got a few venues now. And they do burgers, uh, loaded fries. Mm-hmm. Plus, also they do the vegan option as well, which yep. is really good. So we got them on on board. I mean, the burgers are fantastic. Plus, we're also doing a permanent coffee and donut pop up as well. Okay, uh, nice. So it's a, it's a slight offshoot from our business because it's our business. It's another business of ours with a business partner. Uh, right. So that's sort of like vegan, vegan donuts, shakes, and coffees. So okay, terrific. Just to break into the daytime market as well as mm-hmm. the evenings. And what sort of opening hours are you going to be shooting for when you when you get the tap room open? We're probably going to look around about ten o'clock through to one o'clock in the morning. So ten o'clock oh, wow. in the morning through okay. to one o'clock. Yeah. And and how many days a week? This is the one. Probably, thing I know it's a leading question because you've probably not got the license yet. So maybe we, perhaps we should scrub this conversation. The, 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 the <laughs> license the license is about to be granted. I've got a license seven days a week. Um, okay. However, well. the area we're in can be a bit slow at the beginning of the week. Right. It'll be it'll be minimum minimum six days a week. So we're okay. just working out the, the whether the seventh is viable as well. Yeah. I mean, it's, goodness me. I mean, even if you're only open five days a week, that's still more than most, isn't it? So, so you, <laughs> you might want to give yourself a day off or two somewhere in there. But <laughs> ah, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Apologies for my ignorance of Sheffield geography, but it, it's Neeps End. That's how close is it to the city centre? What's the sort of public transport infrastructure like? You know, how is it residential? You know, have you got good footfall there? So the ne- Neeps End is just down from Kellam Island. So it's the old industrial area of Sheffield. Right. Yep. Loads of old metal works, cutlery works, all these all these different industrial buildings have been repurposed. Mm-hmm. It's been quite a big drinking scene for a while. So that's where Kellam Island Brewery are based right. and the famous Fat Cat mm-hmm. pub. Okay. It's within Kellam Island's within 10 minutes walking from the city centre or so, although it is up a massive hill. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Kellam Island's at the bottom of the hill. So yep. I don't mind getting them there, it's getting back there's a pain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, the footfall in Kellam. Uh, the whole area is being redeveloped at the moment. So all these old, all these old industrial works are being redeveloped into flats and houses. Okay. They're being developed into bars, offices, and all that. And the footfall down there at the moment is within the last year and a half since we took the building on, 
must have quadrupled because oh, wow. the, everything else that's going on down there. So Fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's prime location at the moment for Sheffield, for sure. Yeah, brilliant. Sounds very promising. <laughs> yes. Yeah, fingers crossed. As long as everything uh, carries on after all this, we'll be happy. Very happy. Definitely. Let's take a short break, Dan. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Polykeg, offering a simple solution to deliver your beverages around the world in prestige condition. Available in sizes from 12 to 30 litres with connectors to suit any market and with a nine-month shelf life, Polykeg is your number one choice for one-way kegs. Ready to fill, upside or downside, with built-in pressure relief for extra safety and recycling. For a free sample or demonstration, call 01388 433 433 or visit www.polykeg.com. I'm thrilled to be back with Dan from Heist Bruco for the second half of the show. Dan, I like to start the second half of the conversation with the hardest question for at least most brewers to answer. And that is what makes you different. What is it about Heist that makes you stand out from the crowd? This was something that we were actually thinking about quite a lot over the last 18 months or so. I okay. mean, a few, few people have asked us it before. It's one of those things as a business, you should always ask, ask yourself. You should have anyway. it in your business plan, yeah, if you can. <laughs> 100%, 100%. I mean, our business plan's changed since day one, starting as a bar and doing the brewery side mm. and all that. What we're trying to do now with the business, especially moving forward and what we started doing just before we closed, is we're trying to... Our background, as I said before, we're in a mining village in Clown where nobody really drank beer and mm-hmm. the whole thing was an educational piece. And we want to be able to educate and inform the drinker of what we're doing. So everything we're doing moving forward is we're providing information for bar staff of how to communicate the beer that we're doing, right. information on the cans of the ingredients we use and why we use them. Nice. And we're trying to put together a full section on our website where people can understand the reasons why we use certain processes, nice. not just from a from an avid beer drinker's point of view, but we're wanting to engage those that aren't, that, that maybe wouldn't necessarily drink craft beer, okay. but maybe enjoy it and want to find out more. We right. want to educate people into knowing that they can make choices from other breweries, other venues, mm-hmm. by understanding what we're doing as part of the process. Now, I know it's not necessarily something we're doing differently as a brewery in terms of the brewing processes, because we haven't necessarily got a USP there. We've been right. trying to develop new ideas, but we just want to be able to communicate them better and, and make sure that our customers and our, our clients that we do sell our beer to, to sell onto their customers can communicate that and hopefully build into a, a bit of brand loyalty in regards nice. to yeah. understanding and being able to communicate the beer, which has like worked quite well so yeah. far. Yeah. But yeah, it's just finding finding that uh, USP in the market. But just on that, for instance, and this was something that, that made us think about it, was we did a tap takeover over in um, Trondheim in Norway. Right. We were doing a collaboration. And one of the things that they did, every single month, they do a homebrew meet. Okay. So their tap takeovers and meet the brewers are homebrew events. Oh, so wow. we, we go over there yeah. and they were like, right, okay, so we're doing this tap takeover tonight. I need you to make a presentation. I need you to strip down one of your beers. I want you to go through everything and, and basically tell them how to brew it, why you brew it this way and do everything nice. like that. And in my head, I'm like, this is great. This, this, this idea for an event is fantastic. It's yeah. really engaging. People mm. buy into it. We've got a loyal following in Trondheim now. We've got a, a permanent beer. The collaboration is now in the supermarkets in, in Norway. Oh, wow. And Fantastic. Yeah, it, it's just mental. I'm like, mm. why Why has this not happened before? Like, this, <clears> it's just such an engaging way to to speak to consumers and right. um, enthusiasts as well. So that, that was one of the reasons why we thought about it and just thought, 
we could do something around this. Yes. I like that a lot. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. that's really good. And so you, you'd provide it, as you say, obviously on the can, is there's a certain amount that you can actually put on the can label, but you would propose to have like a little sort of A5 flyer that would accompany the kegs and whatever, the you know, the, the can packs into distribution as well? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we're looking at print material going out with yep. um, all packages moving forward, yep. as well as uh, a digital sort of pack as yep. well that, that includes not just information but also graphics and photography and any any sort of stock stuff that they need to use to promote the product Very want to make good. it as easy for people to sell a product as possible and communicate yeah. it drives me nuts when you look on a can label to see what hops are in a beer and it doesn't tell you that you know, that's, uh... <laughs> i'm not i'm not sure about the collaborations i've sent you but all has always have the always have the malts um the hops and the yeast yeah as, as a minimum I think it's a bare minimum and I, I, I guess I can kind of understand why perhaps labels are, are produced a bit ahead of time maybe even before you, you know you've even sort of finalized the recipe and brewed the beer I, you know I guess that's fair enough but it's it is frustrating when you think well you know what's that hop is it and then you know and then you have a look on the label and it doesn't say yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Definitely. then you look on untapped and it doesn't say on there either and then you look on the website and it doesn't say there and then you just give up and get cross but... that, that, that's true though <laughs> Uh, me and Adam, uh, we, we drink a lot of beer, so mm. it's it's nice to know what you're drinking. Yeah, well, this works really well. What is it? And mm. you, don't, you don't necessarily want to message the brewery and ask them, especially when you own a brewery, because it sounds <laughs> like I'm just trying to steal yeah. what you're doing. I'm just interested <laughs> to find out oh, how you're creating this flavor. It's yeah, fantastic. good work. Yeah, 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 really good. Excellent. So let's talk about influences. Then mm-hmm. you mentioned already what sounds like quite a formative trip to the US in 2018. So I'd be interested to dig into that a little bit more, but also understand some of the UK and perhaps other European brewing influences. Now, where, where are you getting your inspiration from? It's one of those things, especially in the UK, we, we're spoiled in Yorkshire. We, we get a lot of choice. So mm-hmm. we get everything from all, all the big boys down in London through to all the massive Leeds breweries, Manchester yep. breweries. We, mm-hmm. we get a lot of choice. Everything comes to us. Yeah. I suppose the way I could put it, the first beer that I had and I thought this is absolutely ridiculous i love this it was odyssey bruco mm-hmm. down sort of herefordshire Wor- yeah. worcestershire i'm a hereford boy anyway okay and i was drinking their ego war series at the time and i'm sure it was something like equinox and simco mm. really good ipa and came in 500 mil bottles even after 500 mil bottles were cooked so it was all 330 mil bottles at the time yeah i remember drinking it just thinking this is this is really good mm. and it's just something different it, had, it was a nice sort of hazy but almost west coast resinous uh, ipa and that for me sort of changed what i thought ipas could be i drank okay. a lot of like jaipur uh, right. punk uh, yeah. all that sort of thing but sure. there was just something a little bit different about that so i suppose that was the first time when i thought yeah i think these guys are i think these guys are on something i'd love yeah. to be able to recreate some of these mm. and they did a lot of they're like dual hot beers and that's what i quite like the the two pairing and right again they communicate on the label like that the series had had the two hops i'm like yeah this 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 works Mm -hmm. as far as other uk inspiration goes it's just i like to look at the guys that are just doing crazy stuff Mm -hmm. um and just pushing it out there so i suppose northern monks patron series was pivotal in doing every every style and every possible style you can imagine yeah yeah, yeah and, and, and you pick up the you pick up the beer because it's a patron's beer especially if you're looking like three years ago oh i'm gonna buy that in i'm gonna try that it might not be a beer that i pick up on the shelves anyway and i think it just helps showcase a lot of styles that were maybe underappreciated yeah. but yeah. they did it in a way where 
if I if I could buy a twenty four pack of a at the time, I think it was like IPLs were huge, hmm. but no one was buying lagers because I'd already educated all my customers at the time to stop drinking lager. I was like, this is different. <laughs> yeah, they have this can. I'm like, yes, yeah, it's fantastic, and it just really helped us as a business sort of communicate that. And right. the beer was awesome, artwork was awesome, and I think that's one of the main inspirations that we that we sort of pulled from. Right. Yeah. And again, just the trip over to the US was mm. super interesting. So where did you go? So we did a collab over in Charlotte right? Uh, with a brewery called Ass Clown. Mm-hmm. They are based in, well, they're just north of Charlotte. Right. We went into their tap room. We, we took over everything. We took over our, our wellies, all sorts. We turned up to the tap room and Matt, who's the owner, was like, uh, you shouldn't bother bringing your wellies. You're not, we're not doing any brewing today. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? We're not doing the collab. He's like, no, no, the collab's going on. He goes, just going to go through our tap line. They had like 20 taps in. Must have been a space the size of the downstairs of my house, tiny. Right. But they brewed everything. Okay. And that's the one thing that I find really interesting. And this is one of the reasons why I want 30 taps is right. you go into a tap room in the US and they'll have a brown ale. They'll mm. have an imperial stout. They'll have a pale ale. They'll have a bitter. They'll, they'll have one of every style of beer. Yep. I know in the UK, and we've been guilty of it as well, you'll have three or four, five, six, seven IPAs, few pails, yep. few sours, few stouts, an imperial stout, and that's about it. Whereas yep. we're now working on the, le- the the less popular styles. Okay. You know, because I think if you go to a tap room, if I if I go to any country, I'll order a tasting flight and I want it to be all different beers. Definitely, yeah. So I suppose that sort of changed my viewpoint. You see, 100 people in there and they're all drinking different beers everyone's mm. drinking something different so mm-hmm. that was the the tap room vibe over there was just like it's something that i know the uk can replicate yeah it's been a bit it's a bit more difficult and i just want to see more of it i couldn't agree more and i think that the only sort of hesitation i, I have about saying that is that businesses perhaps like yours that have seen the way it can be in the us and and realize that yes you know the tap room led brewery is is the way forward are perhaps some of the ones that are struggling a bit this year where rather than focus on packaging beer and distributing it and selling through sort of traditional channels it's all about right we'll just sell everything direct through our own facility and now this year when that hasn't been possible it's uh it, it's caused quite a lot of anguish i think on this side of the pond and in the us as well and so uh, it is the perfect model in in every other year except for this one isn't it unfortunately yes it, it's one of those and i know a lot of them are you want your beer, you come to our tap room. Hmm. I don't necessarily want that to be our business model because I like people to be able to access it elsewhere. And mm-hmm. where we were before, we brew, we brew a beer, we'd take one keg in the tap room because we, because we were a rural area, it would just turn over in a, in a week and I could sell it all elsewhere Yeah, a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. But just be able to have at least a showcase of, I don't know, 10, 10 to 15 different beers at any one time. Right. I suppose another example which was really interesting was to go to White Labs. Uh, they had a tap room in Asheville yep. and they would have, I think they had about 40 taps, I think. Mm-hmm. And they had about five different beers on, but the five beers were fermented with X amount of different yeast strains. Oh, okay. And that was really interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a rare experience indeed. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's really nice. So you're trying, uh, you're trying exactly the same base beer mm. fermented with X, Y, or Z, or it was just really crazy to wow. see taste yeah, no, difference. That's, that's wonderful. Paired with their fermented foods as well was mm. uh, yeah, pretty special. What styles of beer do you like to drink? Styles I like to drink. So sours mm-hmm. probably take up 70% of my fridge. Oh, wow. Okay. 
yeah. if not a bit more. Mm. So that's pretty much what I'll drink as much as I can without getting heartburn. Then I'll switch <laughs> over to uh, I'll switch over to either lagers or pails. <laughs> you keep on the sales so you get heartburn, then you go, oh shit, I'm gonna have to have something else. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's getting worse recently. Oh, I, no. I, I, I drink a lot of sours, but I, for, for a good year, I was properly into the whole juice New England IPA style, mm. which now I, I'm finding very. I'm getting very fatigued with it all. And okay. we, we brew a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm guilty of, of, of brewing them. I brew yep. them because... Well, because that's I what like the market demands in any yeah, case. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. If I'm being honest. Um, but I've sort of gone off that trend a bit now. I'll mm-hmm. do anything to drink a pint of Traxonoma okay. or Day of Steady Rolling Man. Yeah. A really good pale ale. Nothing... Would you soon have a pint of Sonoma on keg or cask? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's a difficult one. So I was always convinced it was keg. Mm. And uh, I spent that in Leeds and I had a had a cask Sonoma at White Locks. Mm. And I'd had it before, but this one in White Locks was ridiculously good. Okay. Unfortunately, I've not found it as good a cask Sonoma since then. So I think cask Sonoma at its best beats keg every day. Okay. But keg... I know for sure. You, yeah, you really know what you're going to get when you order yeah. it. That's right. Yeah, and that, uh, that you know, unfortunately, that's that's almost like the epitaph for cask beer, isn't it? Is uh, at its very best, it's hard to beat, but it often yeah, it, really, it really is at its very best. Uh, yeah. well, back to your sour habit. You drinking mostly, you know, low ABV sours, or are you getting into sort of the wonder beyond ten percent Berliners and, and the like, or you know, what's your? Yeah, I mean, I pro- pretty much stick around about the between five and eight. Nice. What about stouts? Are you into into your impy stouts or, or not so much? I'm getting to the point now, I think, where I just can't handle too high ABV beers. So anything above a certain percentage, I, I struggle with. Right. I do enjoy a good imperial stout, mm-hmm. but being at home and four forty mil cans, it's that's wasted a challenge on me. If you're on your own, I know. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I'm all for the four forty mil cans, but I, I totally agree with you. I think you know imperial stouts belong in three thirties. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But if I drink imperial stout, it's when I'm out at a bar, so I can mm-hmm. have a third. So you can have a third, yeah. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, a bit lightweight like that now. I, I'll no, drink but it. honestly, thirds, you know, that I, I think if you were going to say what's one of the greatest pleasures of drinking craft beers, it's thirds, as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. You know, I would, I would much sooner go out and drink. 15 thirds or you know well, perhaps that's, maybe that might be too many let's, let's say 12 thirds than four pints you know all day long you know why why on earth should beer be drunk in pints i don't get that at all you know thirds that's that's the right measure for a beer you know and if you enjoy it go and get another one it's one but, of the reasons know, yeah. that i miss beer festivals so much this year especially Definitely. like uh, the northern month ones it's like 100 mil pours it sounds oh. small but you have 20 30 40 beers you know i tell you the plans the plans we had this year for for doing the festival at the start of this year you know we've only been doing this since january it's myself and my cousin and we uh, said right we're gonna do every single uk festival this year we will be there and we, you know we bought tickets for most of them at least the ones that you could buy tickets for prior to yeah. to march you know we were going to be at the you know, little summer beer bash down at burn and obviously hop city and you know we we did uh, Cloudwater friends and family I'm glad to say we've got yes. that one in before lockdown yeah. you know but we were going to do them all we were going to be at Brewdog AGM and, and so yeah we were going to do every single UK festival this year and uh, just get the name out there and uh, none of it unfortunately has happened has it? Uh, it's, it's, it's been frustrating as I said I'm the same as you the last last festival I went, I went to was yeah it must have been a Indie Beer Feast in Sheffield and okay I think, yeah, yeah. I think it was the week before that was friends and family yeah couple of weeks before that we did brew london because we were yeah, I was there, there as well. 
yeah. And then everything else is just like it's all been scrubbed. We're like, oh, oh man, God, I know. But next year, hopefully, or at least next a year, year after. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was convinced this will all be over. I mean, I had a wed- I had a wedding booked in Cyprus in, uh, oh, in no. May, and uh, at the time they're like, "Do you want to reorganize for September?" And we're like, "It'll probably be all right by September." And I was like, "Nah, we'll, we'll do it to next May. At least it'll be fine by then." And now I'm like, "Will it be? Who knows?" Well. <laughs> Goodness knows. No. So then I've got my last two questions, but at this point I've always asked the guests if there's anything that we haven't got to or covered that you came into the conversation wanting to give some publicity to or raise. So is there is there anything that, that we've not spoken about that we should quickly chat about? I'm just trying to think at the moment. As I said, we're in a unique situation where not a lot is happening. So the, the only thing I could suggest is if you guys are listening to this and you want to follow what we're doing and to have a look into it, you might not have heard of us before. We're doing a really ambitious project at the moment and this should be something really exciting. I'm hoping mm. for, for at least the, the, the sort of Yorkshire beer scene or the UK beer scene. Yeah, we're going to start updating that a lot more. We, we do daily updates anyway, but things are starting to change. So if you want to see the progress of what we're doing and how we're getting on, how we're failing at certain things, how we're <laughs> crying because we've gone over budget. If you imagine a grand designs where everyone's massively over budget, people are in yep. tears, that's where we're probably going to be. If you want to follow that, <laughs> then go and follow our social media at Heist Brew. Um, yep. That's Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, it might be quite entertaining. Uh, for you guys whereas for me it might be a bit uh, demoralizing <laughs> the video that i was looking at yesterday on instagram of the of the space with the with no roof on it is is a stunning visualization of what you got to work with there but also terribly intimidating about you know how much work there was to be done and so i'd love to see the next video with the roof on and uh, yeah i go through this and follow the progress yeah i so, go through yeah. an existential crisis every time <laughs> in there it's like oh, well, it's nearly there, like the roof's on. I'm like, but then I've still got to do this, and then I've got to, mm. got to do this, and this, and this. And I'm like, I, I flip and flop between the, between it all, so but it's, we'll see. It, it, it's, it's an incredible scope, that's for sure. It's going to be going to be wonderful when it's done. I don't doubt it. Yeah, fingers crossed. Very good. Well, let's get into the shout-out to the little guy then, Dan, which is where I invite you to mention a local, probably Sheffield-based beer business that, you'd like to draw attention to it might be another brewery or it could easily be a bottle shop or tap room uh, maybe a cafe somebody that's providing great service to the sheffield beer scene that you'd like um you know to mention that that we can maybe steer somebody to to, to go and look up yeah so my sort of shout out would be and this is purely because they've kept us fed watered <laughs> with alcohol for the last six months when we've been down the site um it's the company called booze hound they're a really small little craft beer bar within a food hall which is three doors down from our new venue so we spend pretty much every day well not anymore but we used to spend every day in there working yeah and as soon as it came four o'clock and they're open we have beer yeah (laughs) excellent during the first lockdown unfortunately they were forced to to close because the entire building closed right the the whole food hall yeah. yeah And we were struggling to get hold of beer at the time and they provided us with beer. So we sort of took the beer that they didn't want for the price they paid for it. You know, we, we sort of work well together, but they do a lot to champion us. And the reason why I'm probably shouting them out today is because I know there's a lot of places that we know in Sheffield and that we work with and I mm-hmm. appreciate every single one of them. 
But the fact that I've just seen they've just taken on a new pub during this second lockdown wow. <laughs> in the in the Peak District and they're Goodness. revamping it, it just reminds me a lot of what we did when we took over Clown and it seems like they're doing a fantastic job. The two guys is Robbie and Martin. They're both absolutely brilliant lads. Mm-hmm. Uh, always supported us. We opened up three doors down from them and I, I didn't know whether that was going to cause an issue because maybe competition yep. but no they, they'd be nothing but supportive so i just want to shout out yeah booze hound who are based Brilliant. in reworks in sheffield fantastic all right that's great i'll put a link to the in the show notes to to those guys so that people can uh, can look them up um as soon as we're all back open again which hopefully won't be too much longer <laughs> fingers crossed eh? nearly, <laughs> nearly there <laughs> excellent dan um we get to the wrap-up question which is what would be your ultimate happy hour where would you be? Who would you be with? And most importantly of all, what would you be drinking? Ooh, see, this is the one question that I sort of looked at. Like, how do you go about that? <laughs> I have to say, after this year, I think I mentioned earlier, I was meant to get married in Cyprus this year, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> earlier on. Mm-hmm. So for me right now, and it's something I've missed because I haven't been able to travel, go anywhere. The weather here has been nice, but I've spent most of the time in a dusty unit. So I've not really seen much sun. No. Right now, my ultimate happy hour will be sat outside on the beach in Cyprus okay. with my family, mm. my best man, my business yep. partner, everyone that was going to be at the wedding. I'll be drinking a 30, 50 litre keg of uh, Keller Pills by Lost and Grounded. Okay. Absolutely perfection right nice. now. A nice, crisp Keller beer on the beach mm. in the sun. With people that we haven't been able to really spend any yeah. time with this year. Yeah, so. that's a good shout. I can't can't pick any holes in that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yes, I, I think I, that's so, uh, it, it's interesting actually. As 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 these conversations have been running, people have got sort of more uh, modest in their in their asks. I think it, it, it sort of started out when I was doing this in the summer when we were sort of past lockdown and everybody was sort of going back out again and everybody was having sort of, Oh yeah, I want to be in the, you know, I want to be in Trillium or, or, uh, you know, or Monkish or whatever drinking, you know, crazy <laughs> New England IPA or whatever. And, uh, and now these days it's much, the, the answer to that question is much more about who you're with than, than, than actually what you're drinking, um, which is not to cast any, uh, any cloud on the, on the lost and grounded Keller pills, but it's, you know, yeah, rather yeah. than, rather than just, you know, it's not, people are not so much sort of reaching for the, for the whale beer or the, or the sort of tap room um, so much as yes, I want to be with this group of people and it's getting back to sort of that, that social aspect to it more so than, than, than actually the, the beer venue or the beer itself, which is, yeah, I think that, that probably speaks for a lot of people. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. You can get good beer anywhere these days and there's many places I'd love to go and drink, but I think at the moment it's just, it, I think it's been difficult even in the, between the two lockdowns mm. that people haven't been able to go out and have that sort of community. I think in the beer industry as well is that it's so tight knit yeah. and there's so many friendships that span different counties and cities and even countries yeah. that those people haven't been able to connect and go out and drink and think that's where maybe people are missing out at the moment and moving forward that's where hopefully we can move to in well next year can you imagine what you know the next festival season is going to be like though as you know assuming that we're 
you know we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're clear by next summer or even next autumn you know the first few festivals after uh, after it's back to business as usual are going to be amazing aren't they We'll be at every single one. Mm, we there. just want to get there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's so many we're meant to be at this year and just haven't been able to go. So we will be there. Mm. <laughs> Definitely. Dan, been lots of fun. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. I'm very, very excited to see how your uh, how your big plan turns out. And I will definitely look you up the next time I'm in uh, I mean, you're part of the world. I'm not quite sure when that's going to be, mind you, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be a few months, I'm sure. But it sounds as though it's probably going to be about the right time for for when you guys are opening up, anyway. So I will. Hundred uh, percent. Next mate. time I'm heading up the M1, I will uh, I'll turn off at the at the Sheffield Junction, come and look you guys up. Perfect. No, really Brilliant. appreciate it, mate. Thanks very much. Have a great evening, Dan. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, buddy. Um, Coming up in the next few weeks, we have interviews with some of the UK's most exciting craft breweries. If you enjoyed today's episode, I hope you decide to subscribe to the podcast so you receive each episode automatically every Tuesday morning. If you enjoy the podcast, please tell your friends and leave us a review in your podcast app. It really helps others to discover the show. Full details on all our podcasts can be found at thisweekincraft.beer. You can also follow This Week in Craft Beer on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube.